Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to episode 36 of Seen Any Good Films Lately. It's the podcast that asks the stars what they've been watching, what they're up to and what movies mean to them. Oh yes, I mean I pride myself on seeing good films. I'm very snobby about the movies that I decide to pay attention to. My guest this week is American indie queen Aubrey Plaza. She's the star and producer of new psychological drama Black Bear. But she's also a comedy icon from her work on TV sitcom Parks and Recreation, as well as offbeat films such as Ingrid Goes West, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, and Safety Not Guaranteed. Aubrey Plaza will tell us about making Black Bear and about the films in her life, and of course, if she's seen any good films lately. And I'll have Jason's three to see at the end of the show. Before that, though, let's have a sagful at BAFTA. So yes, the BAFTAs have been given out. Did you watch the show on TV? I did. And my Instagram Live with Simon London is up on my Instagram feed, Mr. Jason Solomons. If you want to relive the experience, Simon and I go through the awards just after the uh, awards have been given out and just after Line of Duty, which followed hard upon. I know... Making a show like that was tough in the circumstances, but I just felt there was a lack of excitement and tension in the whole opening of the envelope thing. It just, for me, didn't work in this new format. Keeping the Royal Albert Hall as the venue was maybe grasping at straws, saying, look, we can make this happen despite the pandemic, and it it maybe have given it a sense of glamour and grandeur. I just felt it was a sense of contractual obligations being fulfilled. And when you don't have an audience in there and the nominees going through that audience up onto the stage, you lack a certain tension, I think. And that's probably what happened. But the most important thing is the awards. And as for them, well, some I liked and some I didn't, which is, of course, just how it should be for an awards ceremony. Things I loved. Uh, Bucky Boucre winning Rising Star for Rocks. Remy Weeks for Outstanding British Debut for His House. Anthony Hopkins winning Best Actor, Daniel Kaluuya's White Suit and Acceptance Speech for winning Best Supporting Actor. And you've got to appreciate Yu Jun Yun, the veteran Korean actress who won for her supporting role as the grandma in Minari. What a great speech she gave too. And I was glad for that film to get something. I didn't like My Octopus Teacher winning for documentary. I I don't know how that slipped through the net, literally. I would have loved Wolfwalkers to have pulled off a big surprise win over Soul in the animation category. And while I love Promising Young Woman, more of which later, I'd have liked to have seen Rocks get a few more wins, probably as Outstanding British Film or even in Best Film, because, let's whisper it, I don't like Nomadland. And I don't like Frances McDormand's award-winning performance in it. I find it a patronising performance, interfering and irritating and distracting. It's all about her. And that just feels wrong and unbalances the film and its themes. Look, I, look, I like Chloe Zhao as a director. Uh, I'm, you know, very excited if there's going to be a female uh, best director. That's a great milestone and it's always good when that happens. And I loved Chloe's film, The Rider, before this one. But if I'm honest, this year there are at least six or seven or eight films in the BAFTA and Oscar running that I prefer over Nomadland. Easily. So I don't really know how it's cruising like a camper van to all the prizes. It feels like this has been unchallengeable. 
and has done ever since it trundled into the Venice Film Festival back last August. But look, I mean, I like Rocks, His House, Promising Young Woman, The Father, Minari, Collective, Judas and the Black Messiah, Sound of Metal. I like them all more than I like Nomadland. And that's just in the films that made it into the awards races. So I can't mask some disappointment at the procession and the caravan of Nomadland. I did love the In Memoriam this year, if I can say that. Is that fair? I think it's part and parcel of cinema. It's what we deal with here on the show, on Sydney Good Films. Lately, we delve into those classics and the people that made us and the people that inspired us. And it was an amazing cast of talents this year, perhaps more because it was a more vicious year than we've ever had before, what with COVID. And it goes to show just how fantastic and gifted and wholeheartedly embraced the artists that work in cinema are. And they've given us some sublime moments over the years. I gave little gulps and ahs when these names cropped up. Alan Parker, Max von Sydow, Bertrand Tavernier, Ennio Morricone, Chadwick Boseman, Irfan Khan, Barbara Windsor, George Siegel, and of course, Sean Connery. Yeah, all of those names. You too, if you'd forgotten that they'd passed away, you just give a little acknowledgement there and then, don't you? The movies really do know how to make the magic, don't they? Okay, I'll have my Seen Any Good Films Lately answers a bit later, including two of those BAFTA and Oscar nominees out now in the UK. But now it's time for my guest. The star interview on Seen Any Good Films Lately is supported by Strike, the distilled drink with all the spirit, none of the alcohol, and a few lucky BAFTA nominees got some of Strike's new cans in their goodie bags to help celebrate the evening and pace themselves through Sunday night. They had not rum and cola and not gin and tonic. And if you want some, just go to Strike, that's S-T-R-Y-Y-K dot com and order the bottles or the cans and do it by putting in the voucher code JASON40 to get 40% off for Seen Any Good Films Lately listeners. And then you too can make like a BAFTA nominee. Cheers, Strike. So my guest today is Aubrey Plaza, who's won legions of fans in Parks and Recreation as April, but has also built a career in comedy films such as Judd Apatow's Funny People, or with Zac Efron in Dirty Grandpa, and in quirky indie stuff such as time travel comedy Safety Not Guaranteed, or Edgar Wright's frenetic Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, or as an unhinged Instagram fan stalking Elizabeth Olsen in Ingrid Goes West. Thoroughly recommend Ingrid Goes West and Safety Not Guaranteed if you've not seen those. But Aubrey's now starring in Black Bear, a tense yet uncomfortably funny drama about a filmmaker and writer arriving at a lakeside house to write a screenplay and then getting caught up in the shoot that's going on there and in the marital discord that's going on there. It's quite strange. You're really hard to read. Yeah, you know what, I get that all the time, but I actually think that I'm so easy to read that people just get confused and they make it harder on themselves. You're just different than what I thought you would be like from watching your films. You've seen my movies? Yeah, we watched them before you came. Really? <laughs> well, I am so sorry. I, you don't have to be sorry. I, I love them. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want a little more wine? Are you gonna have more? Mm. Um, okay, sure. I'll have some more. 
What? The doctor said I could have a few glasses of wine every now and then. She didn't say a few, she said a couple. Okay, this is my second. This will be your third, that I know of. And once in a while is in every night. I had one glass of wine on Wednesday. Yeah, it was two days ago. That's Black Bear. It gets very trippy, super intense, and it's got this dark edge of jealousy, envy, and violence running through it. And yet it becomes funny at times as well. It's all set in this forest retreat with possible bears in the woods. And I remarked to Aubrey Plaza when I caught up with her uh, that filming was some kind of weirdly cruel preparation and prediction for our locked down futures. Feels weirdly like almost like it was shot during the lockdown or something. So this is very timely. Yeah, absolutely. Because you must have, well, it's a very meta film, obviously. So you you then did this film and then, you know, lockdown follows after. You, you almost like had a handbook on how to deal with lockdown after seeing this movie. I mean, what not to do. What not to, <laughs> what not to do, yes. We had a rehearsal for the lockdown because we were, we were very locked down in, during the shoot. We had no idea how relevant that was going to be. Yeah, the survival that you need. I guess film shoots are are kind of like that anyway. But this was a really, you know, really playful and kind of uh, quite vicious movie at at times. It it surprised me. I have to say I was a little bit shocked at the directions it went. I guess that was the idea. I like that. Yeah. I like you surprised. I feel like you're never surprised. Everything is always so, you know unsurprising to you yeah i agree and and so a film that does that and a film that then i don't know had a had a who's afraid of virginia wolf quality if i may say i love that yeah you want that on the poster Oof, yes are you kidding <laughs> with, with black bear when you make a film like this you know do you kind of all sit together and, and rehearse it because it's about rehearsing and then it's not rehearsing i mean how free can you go i mean the meta that you play with is so confusing i mean it must play with your mind you not knowing where you are totally yeah we i mean we didn't have the luxury of really rehearsing because i i believe christopher abbott got to the location the day before we started shooting. And so we hadn't even talked at all. We, I think all we did really was sit down with the script, the, the four of us, me, Larry, Sarah, and Chris, and just go through the script, you know? I mean, it was it's it's really written like a play. And because so- Because you were, like, pro- this was one of your productions, right? It was one of your Evil uh, Hag productions. That's right, it's an Evil Hag production. How is the uh, production company thing working out for you? Are you finding that that's really given you the roles that you wanted, the films that you want to do, you know, you can find stuff that you wouldn't normally be able to, people weren't giving you and you can take some control and agency. I've had this quote unquote production company since, I was in college with my producing partner. You know, we don't have any equity. We don't, <laughs> we're not real, but we will be. The minute I get, you know, some overhead and an office, you know, on the lot somewhere. But yeah, you um, need a lot. I need a lot. But I think like producing for me was just a natural kind of progression for me because I, I just tend to, if I'm going to be the lead in something, I take it very seriously and I get very involved and I, get very passionate about the projects that I'm involved in and I can't help myself. So it's just an organic kind of next step for me to become a producer because it just solidifies that 
my role is important, my opinions count, and my effect on the movie is is greater than just showing up as an actor. Because you have a comic persona that is well known, do people have issues? But you know, producing is not a barrel of laughs. You know, you have to be serious and order people around and kind of get what you want. Do people have trouble adjusting and just thinking, "Oh my god," you know, I can't really deal with Aubrey shouting at me or. Oh, come on. I've never shouted at anyone in my life. No, I'm not like that at all. You know, it's funny because this is something I really need to dive into in my therapy sessions. Um, But I, I find that I'm very assertive as a producer. I'm very opinionated and I'm very efficient. And I, I really can take on that leadership role. And you know, in some instances, I, I do think I'm a bit intimidating and kind of people are like, mm. but I'm, I'm very nice. I would ne- I'm not, I don't shout at anyone. And I'm so sensitive uh, to other people's energies. And, you know, that's just the cancer in me. But as a person and as an actor, I tend to kind of like, it's like the opposite side of the spectrum, where it's like, I'm just, I'm unable to assert myself. I find myself in situations that are incredibly demeaning and, you know, not okay, not whatever, but I find, I can't, I don't know what it is. Like, I, so it, it's almost like necessary for me to take on that role or, or else I'll just kind of disappear into a puddle of, you know, whatever character I'm playing in the moment. Oh, we can work on that, Aubrey, together in, in, our, in our future sessions. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> it's my pleasure. And, I'm going to ask... It all goes back to my, you know, that time when I was a three years old and I I was chasing a cat in my grandfather's liquor store in Philadelphia. True story. And uh, he had a liquor store and uh, there was a cat. You know, I remember chasing the cat around and I didn't realize that there was a trap door down to the basement opened and uh, I just ran just right over the, right over a hole basically. Went right down into the darkness, cement bottom floor. And I think something just got knocked loose in my brain, you know. You're just uh, um, repeating the, uh, the 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 synopsis of the Disney Pixar film Soul there, Aubrey Plaza. Oh my god. Wait a minute. Yes. I felt very connected to that film, actually. Now I understand why. I didn't even think about that. Again, another session that we can have. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Jesus, I should be charging you here. <laughs> uh, in revenge, as you know, you can like uh, you can answer some of my favorite uh, questions. Have I seen any good films lately? Questions, Aubrey Plaza. Okay. Have you seen um, any good films lately? Oh yes. I mean, I pride myself on seeing good films. I'm very snobby about the movies that I decide to pay attention to. I've recently seen a Hong Sang Soo movie called On the Beach Alone at Night. Yeah. I recently saw that, which I haven't. I went on like a Hong Sang Soo rabbit hole because um, I had seen Claire's camera and some other films of his. Oh, sorry, we cannot use the elevator. It's out of water. It looks okay to me. It looks okay now, but it sometimes stops in the middle. A few days ago, I was stuck there in the elevator. Really? <gasps> It must have been frightening. Yes, I was so scared. I'm scared of elevators too. You mean even when it's working properly? Actually, I hate elevators. (laughs) Yes, I see. So we can walk up? Sure, it's okay. I like these paintings. They look all right, but kind of strange too. No, you think so? That's strange. Don't you think? 
Yes, very strange looking at it now. I'm very into Scandinavian filmmakers, and I, I recently saw another round, the Mads Mikkelsen Tour de Force, um, which loved yes, so he, much. Yes, he's great in it. It's the Vinterberg directing it, fantastic. Vinterberg. What is it with those goddamn Scandinavians? Well, as, really we, as we can see from the film, they're drunk most of the time. They're just drunk. They're just drunk motherfuckers. And they really know how, where to put the camera. And they're just so good. I don't know. I love it. I love his movies. And I love I just love watching Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. What a face. And just can't get enough of that. Do you, um, watch, do you watch TV as well? I have this, like, allergy to Netflix, which is a very irrational kind of thing that my... <laughs> you know manager especially hates she's like yeah. she's like this is the future you know this is the future and i'm going i don't trust it you know it's like when you watch those you know movies those creepy movies about the you know futuristic corporation that has the pill that you take to survive or in the robots take over i have a very i just have a I'm a technophobe kind of thing like for example when i was in shooting this guy Richie movie in Turkey, you know, there was no Apple TV, there was nothing. And I didn't really watch anything except that, and I've never really like binge watched something before. And I know that's like this cultural phenomenon that's happening now where people can't stop themselves. And there's something scary about it to me. I'm like, I can't go there. It's just my addictive, you know, personality is just, it just seems like a bad idea. But for the first time ever, I did binge watch a television show while I was in Turkey, and it was Six Feet Under, which I know I'm very <laughs> late to the game there. Do you should revi revive the classics. Why not? I mean... Revive it. It's, it's one of those shows that I always wanted to watch, mm. and I'm sure everyone has that show, and that was, that was the one for me, and I just went, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to watch this and see if I can binge see if I can get into the binge mindset. And I did. And I understand the binge mentality now. Now you're a binger. They were my, those characters were my friends. Yeah. All I had. And you live in that world constantly. And you, you, you it's weird going out into the other world, like the real world, because you need, you're, you're so comfy within was, the world. I was so upset. I mean, and it's funny because now that, that show was created years and years and years ago, but now, professionally, I know some of the people that were writing on that show, some of the people that were directing those episodes. So I'm like texting them as if they've just made it and going, I can't believe that you would allow this character to come in and sleep with him when he's got a pregnant, you know, and, and they're going like, I, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. That was like 20 years ago. I'm like, you're right. I'm sorry. You just carry on. Carry on. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just over here crying because of the finale. Like, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. No, that's good. It's good to get with the program, especially that program. I think it's an excellent one. Uh, Aubrey, what film changed your life? Either like one you saw and you went, <gasps> or something you've been in yourself and it completely changed the course of your life. I mean, in a very just basic, practical, just literal sense, funny people changed my life. I love that movie. Which is a movie that I was in. Mm, the Judd um, Apatow and you, you were with Seth. Judd Apatow. Yeah, you were fabulous, both fabulous in that. It's a, I love that film. I do. Thank you. Um, it changed, that changed my life because I was completely unknown. 
I had no credits to my name, no agent, nothing. I was just just, an up and coming, you know, up and comer from New York comedian. And Judd really took a risk on me and kind of plucked me from obscurity and, you know, gave me a chance um, in an $80 million Adam Sandler movie. I mean, it just, that just doesn't happen. It's very rare that you take that leap. So that literally changed my life. And um, I'm sure he'd love to, you know, hear me talk about it because he loves to take credit for my (laughs) career. And yes, Judd, you. I owe it all to you, okay? But I do, though. It, Allison Jones, really, though. Allison Jones, casting director. Yes, that's, they're very important. That, yeah. Those are the, those casting directors can really change your life. Hey, Ira. Oh, hey, Mark. Could you do me a favor and never leave a paycheck from your shit sitcom on my pillow ever again, please? Oh, that is so rude of me to accidentally leave my paycheck for $25,000 on your pillow. I'm sorry. It's a dick move. It's just they keep coming, you know, week after week. It's getting a little bit hard to keep track of them all. You know what? Becoming marginally famous has really turned you into an asshole. Now listen, I'd love to stay here and chat with you, but we have company. You know that girl comedian who lives across the street that wants the dark hair and the bangs? Daisy. Yeah. Daisy, right. Well, I bumped into her outside, and I invited her in, and she's sitting in our living room right now. She's out there right now? She's hot, and she's mousy. But kind of like... She's mousy like a mouse you want to stick your dick in. Yeah, you got to get out there and talk to her. Why would you do that? What do you mean, why would I do that? I'm trying to hook you up. Well, I'm laying groundwork, man. i got a three-month plan. You can't just throw me into this. I'll give you ten days on your three-month plan. No, I need 80 more days than that. Okay, I do this because I care about you. I do this to motivate you. But I will fuck that girl in ten days. I promise. Come on, dude. I'm not cute like you. I don't look like Jackson Brown. I look like John Favreau. Don't do this to me. Don't make me fuck her. Well, then just don't fuck her! Don't you put me in this corner where I have to fuck my way out. He'll do it, too. He'll do it. I've seen him do this before. Um, and then the movie that I saw, I mean, I have always just been so obsessed with films, and I it's hard for me to pick one, but I will say, and I've talked about this before, that one of the moments that I really went like, whoa, was when I saw uh, Serial Mom. Mm-hmm. Which is a John, Wa- <laughs> which is John Waters, Great. Kathleen Turner uh, movie that I just could it blew my mind when I saw that movie because I was just like, this is very funny and very weird and just like felt like something that I was like, how could someone get money to make a movie like this? And this is a real movie. And I had grown up on like blockbusters, you know, in the eighties, nineties, big commercial films. Those are the movies that I grew up on. I wasn't exposed to the independent filmmaking world until I was in my teen years. And I just remember that was an eye-opener for me. And I found that there's a lot more going on than I knew. Yes. And people think you play strange characters with knife-edge danger to them as well. And now we know where you get it from. Well, I have been considered this generation's Kathleen Turner, which I will take on. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Oh, yes, because you did the voiceover for that cat as well. She she did a rabbit, but it's not quite the same. Oh, my God, I forgot. See? Cats and rabbits. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. You can't wear white shoes after Labor Day. That's not true anymore. Yes, it is. Didn't your mother ever tell you? <laughs> now you know. No, please. Fashion has changed. No. It hasn't. Oh. Oh. Are you surprised? No comment. Beverly? <laughs> you know what, honey? Beverly? Hi. I'm Suzanne Summers. Hello. Hello. This is 
Can we get a shot of you and Suzanne? Sullivan? Absolutely stand here, Beverly. Guys, what about a nice two shot? Okay? No, Suzanne, really, no, I Beverly, do much. Beverly, Beverly, stand right here. Okay. Smile, cereal mom. Suzanne, so much. This is my bad side. <laughs> What poster did you have on your wall? What film poster did you have on your wall? I was a very obsessed with Judy Garland growing up. I had a very big obsession. And because of that, my favorite movie, uh, sorry, I should have mentioned A Star is Born. One of my all-time favorite movies absolutely changed my life as well. The Judy before Garland I, version. The Ju Judy Garland version. Before I saw, this is before I saw Serial Mom. I became Judy obsessed at a younger age. But because of that, people associated me with the Wizard of Oz because they thought, oh, she loves Judy. She must be a Wizard of Oz freak. And I wasn't. I thought Wizard of Oz was a good movie, but it wasn't like, oh, I would die for Wizard of Oz. Like, no, I would die for A Star is Born. So I had a lot of Wizard of Oz paraphernalia in my room, posters, life-size cutouts, you know, you name it. <laughs> I um, to, that sounds like a, a strange place to be, but a beautiful place. If you could time travel back to any movie set ever that was ever being made, which one would you go to? God, that's a great question. Time traveling back. Oh, God. I don't know. Safety Billy not Mac guaranteed, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Billy Matt, any Adam Sandler, early Adam Sandler movies, like how much fun would those sets be? Billy Mattis, can you imagine shooting that movie? What a ridiculous experience. That must have been so fun. Yeah, you can have that one. That's a great, great one. Yeah. Where's your favorite cinema? There's a cinema that I've been to in Chicago that I love, and the name is totally escaping me now, of course. I'm sure they'd be so psyched if I said the name out loud and I can't remember what it's called. Is it the Music Box? Yeah, no? that's a famous cinema. I, I, I don't know because it's in Chicago, but yes, there is a Music Box cinema. If that's what it is, then that's one of my favorites. And uh, I don't know. I'm not very partial to... I don't care. Like, I grew up going to, like, you know, the AMC down the block, the Regal Cinema, you know. I do like the the, the small indie venues, those kind of, like, dirty, kind of grimy little venues. Yeah. Those are fun. Guess, oh, but the Vista Theater is a beautiful theater and so fun to see, see movies. Like the, the Vista. Vista. The Vista's in Los Angeles. It's awesome, actually. That's a great one. Love, love seeing the movies there. Yeah, I'll have that. And just before you go... I'm going to have to let oh. you go, which I, I'm loath to do, but I'm going to have to. Um, have you ever fallen in love at the movies, Aubrey Plaza? What do you mean? Falling in love at the movies? Yeah. What do you think I mean? What do you mean? Like with someone, like with a person? With a person or with how someone on, on the screen in front of you? How could you ask me something like this? You know this is so personal. You know it. Um... <laughs> Yes, I fall in love every time I see a movie. I'm I'm a freak. I'm a love freak. I fall in love with everyone. I fall in love with the popcorn maker. You know, it's, it's just my problem. No, I am fall head over heels for anyone, everyone. That's why I'm an actor, because I just can't get enough. I just want to keep falling in love over and over again. It's this thing that I chase. But yeah, no, I fall in love with so many things, people. I, I can't name any specific people but it's the point but, of going to the movies right and being in the movies of course 
That's what you want. That's what you want. You want to fall in love. People want to see other people fall in love, you know. And if you happen to fall in love while you're watching someone else fall in love, it's a bonus. Mm. But no, I fall in love with every everything. Inanimate objects, too. I just... There's <laughs> something sick. You have to tie those seats down. Just, yeah, just those cushions sometimes just need a real <laughs> talking to. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to have set you along the road to many therapy sessions to be dealing with. Aubrey, it's been fabulous talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on Seen Any Good Films lately and for having seen some really good films. Hong Sang Soo, no one's ever picked that one on this show. Really? Yeah. Well, that's just, that's just yesterday. I have Philist Philistines on the game. You're the, you're the classiest guest we've ever had, clearly. Thank you, Jason. Brilliant stuff from Aubrey Plaza. We love her, don't we? I'm probably due a Parks and Rec binge watch, aren't I? Anyway, you can catch Black Bear starring Aubrey, Christopher Abbott and Sarah Gaydon on digital streaming from April the 23rd in the UK on Curzon, on Amazon, on iTunes. So you heard Aubrey talking there about her favourite filmmaker, Hong Sang Soo. I should probably explain a little bit who he is. He's a very prolific Korean filmmaker, but not like Oscar winner Bong Joon-ho. He doesn't make creature features or quite big budget films. Very much uh, an indie filmmaker from Korea. Very interested in filmmakers and actresses and actors. His films are often about people who are making movies, so they sort of switch back and get very meta uh, about the situation, uh, about playing in real life people are always smoking and drinking they often have sex they often shoot inside like hallways um like in the scene that we heard there with Isabelle Huppert he works a lot with Isabelle Huppert one of her favorite filmmakers too uh, so you can start with her in fact if you've seen Call My Agent there's a very funny episode with Isabelle Huppert who's just always working and trying to do a hundred things at once and in that there's a little in joke about there's a Korean filmmaker in her flat and that's you know, reference to her work with Hong Sang Soo. So we heard Claire's camera uh, with her in that, in, in the Aubrey clip. So you could, you know, there's quite a lot of Hong Sang Soo films you could see. Um, he's quite, he's quite sort of um, prolific. I would sort of mention um, Hai Wan, uh, which is Nobody's Daughter. There's Yourself and Yours, which is terrific as well. You could probably see... Uh, he arrives that's rather good and the day after that was a lovely Hong Sang Soo film the day after so yeah I would recommend any of them and um, I would also say Claire's camera that you've seen uh, a day with and a day without rather beautiful so yeah Hong Sang Soo try and get into him he's um, he's he's a bit like Eric Roma I suppose that's why Isabelle Huppert is drawn to him he's got that sort of um, very naturalistic element and when you can sort of combine that with sort of Asian cities and Asian cultures and the clash thereof um, I think he's a, a really singular artist and rather different in world cinema Hong Sang Soo great choice of course from Aubrey Plaza and I'm happy to say that it's time now for my answers to that question this week. Seen any good films lately, Jace? Yes, I have. Sound of Metal and yes, Promising Young Woman. Let's start with Sound of Metal. We had one of its stars, Olivia Cook, on the show just a couple of episodes ago. So do catch up with that one because she's terrific in it. As is Riz Ahmed, who plays a drummer who goes deaf after one more night of rocking out, forcing him to cancel his touring life and to check into a rehab camp for deaf addicts. 
It's a very niche clinic, I admit, but it makes for a very unusual drama and brings out a wonderful Oscar-nominated performance from Riz and from Paul Ratchie, who plays the camp leader, with a remarkable supporting role that just adds whole new textures and layers and mysteries to the story and the setting, which is really what a supporting player should do. It's quite remarkable uh, to watch him and to watch Rubin, played by Riz, deal with the, the newfound situation and deal with the stillness and the silence after a life in rock i've got a little uh assignment for you okay you get up early right yeah pretty early yeah i'll have hot coffee waiting for you at 5 30 early enough for you i don't know i guess okay five and i'll uh provide a room for you or for and there's nothing that needs to be accomplished in this room all i want you to do is just sit all i ask is if and when you cannot just sit you turn yourself to the pen and paper that i'm going to supply for you and i want you to Doesn't matter what you write, how you write, whether it's spelled correctly, or if it's just a big mess. I don't care. No one will read it, okay? But I want you to keep writing continuously, without stopping, until you feel like you can sit again. Sound of Metal is a strong film all the way, and it's got this scuzzy, cool, indie vibe. And just some stuff you've never seen before, which makes it, for me, a must-see, a must-listen, a must-watch very carefully. Particularly with attention to Riz and that performance full of rage and softness, often one and the same thing at the same time. And Promising Young Woman. Well, that is the one film I've thought, wow about this whole awards season. It's the one that just knocked me for six. It thrilled me, it shocked me, it grabbed me. I loved Kerry Mulligan in it, her most striking performance since an education, for sure, as she plays a woman exacting some kind of revenge on men who take sexual advantage of women, which is probably all of them, isn't it? To say more would spoil the jack-in-the-box of surprises in Emerald Fennell's script and in her smart debut direction, which channels some of the colour and kindred spirit of Killing Eve, which Emerald showran for season two. They also share a killer soundtrack, Killing Eve and Promising Young Woman. There are tracks in particular by LA artist Death by Romy. So here she is giving a vicious, ironic makeover to a well-worn anthem. It's Raining Men, and it certainly is in Promising Young Woman, which is a fast and funny film. It's violent and it's sexy and it's deadly and strange, and it's stingingly relevant and toxic, as it needs to be to make its point. 
There are great cameos and co-stars and you just never know where it's going next, who's going to pop up next, what's going to happen next, all the way till the ending. It's just a great watch. And you can find it on Sky Cinema and streaming on Now in the UK. Well, Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime and maybe both will be in the cinemas when they reopen in mid-May. If you can hang on till then, it'd be well worth it to get that audience reaction, particularly Promising Young Woman. So, Jason's three to see this week. Well, they've got to be Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, and if you haven't seen it yet, Wolf Walkers, which I mentioned I thought might have pulled off a surprise in the animation category. That would be great for all the family this weekend or any weekend ever. I guess we go out with some more of that Promising Young Woman soundtrack, right? I practically squealed when this song came on. I thought it was a great choice, a power tune, a terrific scene to accompany it, a top name. It's Juice Newton. See you next week. Just